The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. The rebound rolls on. Stocks looking at more gains as markets now up on the week, even after the Monday meltdown. Maybe it's solid earnings. The numbers have been strong. And today, you'll hear from AT&T, Intel, Twitter, and many more. It's a Bitcoin bounce on some very upbeat comments from high-profile supporters. But COVID concerns, they do remain around the world, with Las Vegas Sands now running into trouble in Singapore. And maybe, just maybe, the most surprising RBI of the year, you will not believe what dying industry is suddenly booming once again. It is all happening on this Thursday, July 22nd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching from San Diego to Singapore. Who knows? I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us. And trust me, today's RBI is one you got to hear. It may even shock and amaze you. It did us. Well, at least we think. We'll find out. All that's ahead. But right now, to the markets and your money and futures. They are higher right now across all three major averages. Not a whole lot. Dow up 69, NASDAQ up 16, but they are in the green. And now check this out. Even after Monday's big drop, remember that? We're down almost 1,000 at one point. Delta concerns, the economy going to shut down, everything is terrible. Guess what? We're now actually positive for the week. Now, we on this show talked about it Monday and Tuesday. Though while the COVID variants were grabbing the headlines, that was likely maybe not the reason for the big drop. Rather, positioning in the options and volatility markets gone wrong, which might explain why we have bounced back so strong, even though nothing has changed with COVID or the Delta or now the Lambda or whatever the next variant may be is out there in the U.S. and the world. All right, it is also maybe related to bond yields. Lower yields can bring buyers back into stocks. And right now, the 10-year yield up just a touch, but still below 1.3%, likely not nearly what anyone out there, minus a few, may have expected. All right, let's go now around the world in the Asia markets, closing higher with the Hang Seng in Hong Kong, big power, jumping nearly 2% there. Japan up again as well. And in Europe, they've got their Fed. The ECB in focus with a policy decision right around 7.45 a.m. Eastern. The averages there all ahead of that in the green with Spain up more than 1%. All right, we are going to get much more in the markets and your money in a minute. But first, to the ongoing infrastructure debate in Washington over trillions in new taxpayer spending. It is a story that investors are following, the U.S. is following, and so are we. And NBC's Tracy Potts joining us now live from D.C., to tell us where we stand. Tracy, good morning. Hi, Brian. Good morning, everyone. So new spending often means new debt. 
for the country. And that has now become an issue. Every year we talk about raising the debt limit or Congress talks about raising the debt limit to pay America's bills. And now Republicans are insisting they don't want to do it. And President Biden, as late as last night, was pointing fingers, accusing them of not wanting to pay the bills that their president created. As President Biden meets with union leaders today on creating jobs, Republicans have announced they'll vote against raising the debt limit to pay America's bills. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell tells reporters if Senate Democrats want to raise the debt ceiling, they're going to have to do it themselves. I am not going to let anybody take our economy hostage. My view is when you incur bills, you've got to pay them. The debt debate is happening as negotiators from both parties inch toward a deal to fix America's roads and bridges, expand transit, and provide high-speed internet to everyone. Yes, we will. Lawmakers are aiming for a deal before their August break. I'm optimistic that we are going to close the remaining issues. But Republicans voted no on debating infrastructure now. Let's start. It's set to fail. The yeas are 49, the nays are 51. They want to wait to hear details. And remember, when we talk infrastructure, we're talking two different things, the roads and bridges legislation and that larger three and a half trillion dollar package that Democrats are still working through, dealing with things like climate issues, education, improving Medicare. That is something they will likely do on their own. And they are, again, still working out the details, Brian. And the whole thing together, as many have said, may become the largest combined bill in the history of the United States. A big story in many ways. Tracy Potts, thank you. Have a great day. All right, now to this morning's other top headlines, including a closing in Singapore over new COVID concerns, a trend that we saw about the same time last year in many parts of the world. Bertha Coombs joining us now with the key headlines. Bertha, what else are we watching on this Thursday morning? Oh, continued disruption, Brian. Good morning. The Marina Bay Sands Casino in Singapore is closing for two weeks for a deep cleaning. The move coming after a COVID cluster was detected at the Las Vegas Sandone property. Casino stocks have had a rough month. Take a look at this chart. LVS down about 9%. MGM off 7% and trending lower this morning as well. Wind dropping 11%. Wind Macau, Sands China, and Galaxy Entertainment also all down this month in Hong Kong trading. Shares of Australian miner BHP, meantime, jumping overnight in Asia. The company announcing it will be supplying Tesla with nickel. That, of course, is a key raw material used in electric vehicle batteries. And General Motors will halt most of its large pickup production in North America next week. The automaker forced to make the move amid the ongoing global chip shortage. Consulting firm Alex Partners estimates that the shortage will cost the global auto industry $110 billion in revenue this year. GM expects to get back to full production the first week of August, so it's not a huge uh, slowdown. But still, Brian, that's amazing. It is. I mean, you look at some of the local car dealership lots, they've got cars, but not nearly as many, Bertha, I don't know about your area, as you would normally see. And you talk to people and you say, where are all the cars? Well, it's because they can't get the inventory to sell because of semiconductors. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you're seeing bidding wars on cars, too. <laughs> you're not going to get a deal on a car, used or new. Yeah, it's basically a computer with wheels on it. Bertha, we'll see in a few minutes. Thank you very much. All right, right now, let's get back down to the markets and your money because you've got stock futures higher. And in fact, even after Monday's meltdown, the markets, the major averages anyway, now actually higher on the week. Huh. Joining us now is Piper Sandler, Chief Market Technician Craig Johnson. He's got some macro views and maybe, just maybe, one or two single stocks that look good to him. Craig, first on the macro side, I mean, the Monday meltdown, it was all about the Delta variant and economy shutdown. And wait a minute, now we're higher, but the Delta variant's still around. What do you think is going on? What happened Monday? You know, Brian, I think there is... Really simplistically, we've seen a very big move up in 10-year bond yields earlier in the year, probably went too far. And what we've really seen is a sort of a correction right back to this uh, now rising 200-day moving average. But that kind of initial sell-off kind of caused a lot of concerns with people. But again, the, the kind of narrative that's floating around the market is sort of peak everything for a lot of people. Uh, we continually hear that from a lot of folks. Is this going to be peak earnings, peak GDP, peak CPI, et cetera, et cetera. And so that has led to some concerns. And then you layer into that the Delta variant, as you had mentioned, and is that going to lead to not necessarily shutdowns, but delays in terms of really getting these supply chains up and running again? You know, And keep in mind, this is a market, Brian, that's been making new highs every 3.5 days this year. So we're on a record pace, similar to where you were in 1995. And I think a lot of people are kind of looking around and saying, does it get a lot better than where we're at right now? Okay, you, you may have just given us a future RBI, Craig. I mean, we just, we just like to steal people's stuff anyway. The market <laughs> is making new highs every three and a half days. So we're grinding higher. Is it peak everything? Do you think the market has any more room to run? Well, Brian, you know, we established a 46-25 year-end objective. So we got maybe about 6% more to go. But what's really interesting about this market right now is when you look at the popular averages, the mag stocks, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, and Google, they represent about 20% of this market. They've been really very uh, well-performing stocks, and technically they still look constructive in terms of the charts. But what's interesting is when you start looking underneath the surface, and yes, the market has rebounded over the last couple days in here, the internals of this market truly peaked back in February. You made 293 highs inside of our work in mid-February as of this week, you're down to single-digit readings. If you look at our MACE model, which looks at how many stocks are in any form of an uptrend, Brian, you got like 40% of the market in any form of an uptrend. Okay, so for a market that's making all-time new highs every three and a half days, and you got this sort of waning participation, uh, to me, this is a sign that the die is kind of getting cast for some sort of deeper correction. Mm. And I honestly thought that would have actually started on Monday. And this looks like an interesting rebound. But the levels we need to watch on the S&P 500, we need to watch that 50-day moving average and that uptrend support line. That is exactly the level that we bounce off of and put that in terms of the Russell 2000. That's at 2130. Any sort of break mm. below those. And that's going to be something we need to watch very carefully. Yesterday, Guggenheim's Scott Minard, who's been right on the mark about uh, crypto and 10-year yields, said he thought that a 15% stock correction could happen. It sounds like you would not be surprised if we got the same thing. 
I would not be surprised at all. In fact, if we were to sort of correct back toward the uh, 200-day moving average, uh, that would get you about another 10% or 11% from where we are right here. And nobody really knows the extent of the challenge that we could be facing with the Delta variant or other variants with COVID. And if we do see some of those challenges, my initial mindset would be, why wouldn't we trade back to the highs we were pre-pandemic, given the very sharp advance that we've seen in this marketplace? Now, there's still things to be done, Brian. Like, we still need to make recommendations to clients, and we still think we need to be overweight basic materials. We need to be overweight the consumer cyclicals and the financial sector. But we also want to be underweight utilities, staples, uh, we continue, and also healthcare, as we continue to see a lot of divergences in those charts and in weak relative performance. So there's still things to always be done. Yeah, a little contrarian view there on utilities. I know a lot of people like them. You obviously don't. On the consumer side, reading your always must-read research, though, you know, even with all the COVID variants and concerns out there, you still like some of the big names. By the way, one of the stores that was mandated to be open during the peak of the lockdowns, Costco as well as all of our kids getting out there and playing sports, Dick's Sporting Goods. Absolutely, Brian. Costco is uh, trending very well on the charts. And if we think about food inflation and prices for everything really going up, and they say that there's no inflation, but costs for everything are going up, and some of that could be supply chain related. But certainly Costco is going to be, I think, a a spot that a lot of uh, shoppers are going to be going to looking for a little bit of a deal. And then if we also think about perhaps shifting work schedules for people uh, in this new kind of uh, post-COVID world, uh, I think a lot more sports and a lot more entertainment are going to be taking place. And, you know, charts like uh, Dick still look very constructive at this point in time. As we have learned, stay outside, do things outside, and maybe, I guess, buy some bats and softballs at Dick's Sporting Goods, as well as some giant fillets at Costco. Craig Johnson, Piper Sandler, my friend. Always a pleasure to have you on and your views. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian, and happy birthday. All right. Thank you very much, Craig. Appreciate that. All right, it, my birthday week. Wow. All right, it is all just getting started. And when we come back, all aboard the earnings train, we're going to bring you this morning's big money movers. Yeah, including that guy, CSX. And look at lumber prices. Maybe the craziest market in the world this year. Having a huge surge, then a giant slump. And now futures, they're back up 12% in about a day. Buyers in Canada forcing prices higher. And yeah, there's an ETF for that. The Invesco MSCI Global Timber ETF. Trading higher yesterday as a result. Names like Warehouse rising. But lumber is still not the hottest commodity trade in the world. We will tell you the very surprising thing that is when we come back. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. The three big stock stories of the morning. Let's go. Stock number one, we showed you the train. It is CSX, the railroad operator, reporting better than expected second quarter results. And the CEO says the company is doing all it can to ramp up operations with the economy despite some service challenges. Stock number two, Texas Instruments. Second quarter numbers beating forecasts. Revenue for the company's analog and embedded chips units rose more than 40%. But TI's third quarter revenue guidance slightly below most analyst estimates, leaving some investors concerned about their ability to meet soaring demand and TI shares down 4% after hours. And stock three, Kinder Morgan, the pipeline operator, posting a wider second quarter loss. And Kinder Morgan is cutting its profit outlook for the year. All this comes just months after the company raised estimates, following a surge in demand for gas during the winter storm in February and knocked out nearly half of Texas's power plants. Kinder Morgan down a touch, about 1% right now. Well, in other investment news happening this morning, Aflac, I'm not going to do the duck sound, announcing a $2 billion deal with Denim Capital. Who is Denim Capital? Well, they're a global investment firm focusing on things like sustainable infrastructure, energy, and resources. Aflac says the deal helps it meet ESG commitments, but... It's also part of a long-term strategy of finding private assets to help find higher returns in a low-yield fixed-income environment. And our own Contessa Brewer asked Aflac's global chief investment officer about the anticipated return on this investment. Which is starting a new business with them of sustainable infrastructure, clean energy, power projects. Uh, We think this is huge for the future. The world as we know it over the next 50 years in terms of transportation, uh, how we heat and cool buildings, commercial, residential, how we get from point A to point B is going to be entirely changed. And we see that as an investment opportunity. Now, Affleck will also be taking about $100 million in equity in Denim to leverage its expertise in the sustainable infrastructure space. Big move there by Affleck. All right, on deck. It is no secret that the richest area in America, Long Island's Hamptons, you know, remain red hot. But some new numbers out this morning, they even take the big numbers to the next level. We're going to bring them to you when Worldwide Exchange rolls on. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. 
See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, well, the uh, shot of New York there actually looks lovely. We've had a lot of air quality concerns in Manhattan, but you wouldn't know it from that view at, what, 5.15 in the morning, the sun coming up. Everything looks just so peaceful from that view. Well, let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines in the view inside the news. NBC's Philip Men is in New York with more on that. I know, you know, the, the air quality's not, not been good, but that view, it just looks so gorgeous. Philip, but I wish it could yeah. be like that all the time, Brian. Uh, good morning. Yeah, it yeah. has just been surreal over here lately. Uh, so those wildfires out west, they just continue to spread. Oregon's bootleg fire is currently the nation's largest wildfire. It continues to grow, now more than 390 acres in size. A campfire ban will go into effect today for all state-managed parks and forests east of Interstate 5. Uh, as uh, we were talking about just a minute ago, smoke from dozens of western fires. They've been seen moving across the country from space, the air quality plunged to dangerous levels in multiple states, including uh, New York and New Jersey. Just surreal. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland is reaffirming boundaries between the DOJ and the White House. The AG notified his employees that communication with the White House on criminal matters must be strictly limited. Garland says those safeguards are to protect against inappropriate influence. This order reestablishes norms often broken by former President Trump, who called for investigations into his rivals. And finally, a soccer game in Bolivia was interrupted when a dust devil swept through that field. Players, you can see them there running to get out of the path. Luckily, there were no injuries or damage. Just a reminder here, dust devils, they're small whirlwinds that pick up dust and debris as they travel, and they are often mistaken for tornadoes. Brian? Yeah, don't mistake them also with Tasmanian devils, which are basically large, vicious rodents or cartoon characters that spin crazily. That is uh, important to remember there, although I do remember them fondly. That was, uh, that's nice. Just want to make sure we know the difference in the, in the types of devils. Also, it's a hockey team in New Jersey. Philip Mena, <laughs> thank you very much. Didn't give us the final score of the game, though, Philip. Appreciate I, I had, it. I hadn't been watching. I, I stopped after the NBA Finals, Brian, and the Bucks. I needed to take a, a day break there. Yeah, by the way, go Milwaukee. Fantastic. Love to see the small market team and Giannis pull it out. Philip Mena, thank you, buddy. All right, you got it. All right, so aside from Bolivian soccer dust devils, let's find out what else is happening this morning, including pricey job applications, super luxury homes, a robot beach cleaner, and those are all Bertha Coombs, just normal weekend things. Other than that, Bertha, what's going <laughs> yeah. on? It's just... It's just cocktail party fodder. That's all. Meantime, a 1973 job application from Steve Jobs is up for auction again, this time as both a physical copy and an NFT. The handwritten document has gone up for auction a few times before, most recently in March when it sold for over $222,000. The organizer says the sale is meant to highlight the difference in perceived value of digital and the physical. 
Hampton's home prices, meantime, are surging to record highs as demand continues to increase for the luxury Long Island houses. According to a report from Miller Samuel and Douglas Ellerman, the median price of homes in the second quarter jumped to $1.4 million. That's a 30 percent increase from last year. There were 675 deals made in just the second quarter, 21 percent of which went for above the asking price. And one Microsoft-backed startup is offering a new way to remove cigarette butts from beaches with a robot. BeachBot, or BB for short, can identify cigarette butts with the help of Microsoft's artificial intelligence system and autonomously pick them up. The company behind the robot, Tectix, hopes to expand the cleanup to other types of waste in the future as it learns. It seems like it should just pick up all sorts of trash, don't you think? Yeah, or, or don't smoke like on the beach. Go, let's go back to the Hamptons very quickly, Bertha. And listen, we got a lot of great <laughs> viewers out there, many of whom are successful, private house. I don't want to insult anybody, but I'm going to insult some people. I have never been to the Hamptons. Uh-oh. I doubt my life I ever will. A, I don't, I don't have any friends. I probably won't be never? invited out there. <laughs> never been. I, I went to Quag, which is close once in like 1995 or Quahog, or maybe that's in the family guy. I, I, I just don't understand. <laughs> it's Quag. The money, right? Like, if you're super rich in New York, and God bless you, don't you want to go away from the people you see in Manhattan every day? Isn't that kind of the idea of summer? Maybe Am I crazy? Maybe I'm just resentful because I, I couldn't afford the, the, the outhouse of the houses we're showing. <laughs> Uh, the the beaches are beautiful. I mean, you know, most every beach is beautiful, and it's it's close to get here, get here, and it's it's a beautiful place, like most beach communities are. Um, it does get very crowded, and there is that sort of one road in that makes the traffic really difficult. But a lot of folks like gathering, Brian, and so they like to be where their friends are and vacation where their friends are. I like the mountains. Go to the beach version again. Not, not, no, no knock on it. No knock on anyone. I just the money is what I guess I don't understand. To spend that kind of money to just basically be around the same people you're at Monday through Friday. I guess I'm just a lunatic. Bertha, thank you. <laughs> that might be it. All right, that's probably it. Actually, beaches are beautiful. All right, you know, in my old age now. Coming up. Call up the Joe Cocker crypto comeback, or at least I will. Bitcoin bouncing after getting by with a little help from its friends. Maybe it's the Beatles. Namely, Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, and Kathy Wood. We'll tell you what they're saying and doing coming up. And a reminder, if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you're stuck in Hamptons traffic, driving out there on a Friday morning, four or five hours to go 90 miles, and need something to listen to, we would appreciate being on your listening list. Dow futures are up 90. Markets now positive for the week. We're back right after this. The big bounce back, it rolls on. Futures, they are higher as investors shake off COVID concerns and buy the big names. The Bitcoin bounce, Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, Kathy Wood, all showing the cryptos a bit of love and it may be working. And this is definitely random but interesting. We're going to tell you about how a dying industry is suddenly booming once again and has become the hottest trade in the world. The video 
kind of a hint. It is Thursday, July 22nd, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome or welcome back, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. And by the way, I love the Hamptons. It's just fantastic. Just gorgeous. Old man yells at clouds. Cryptocurrencies bounced higher yesterday during the B-Word conference led by Kathy Wood, Elon Musk, and Jack Dorsey. Some of the biggest takeaways? Wood said that corporations should considering adding Bitcoin to their balance sheets, partially as a hedge against deflation. Jack Dorsey said he hoped Bitcoin could bring world peace. What? And Elon Musk confirmed that Tesla will most likely resume accepting Bitcoin to buy a car, although who would do that? He also confirmed that he owns both Dogecoin and Ethereum and said that while he wants the price of cryptos to go up, he is not trying to push the price up for his own gain. Really, he's not. I might pump, but I don't dump. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, it's not a case of, um, I I definitely do not believe in in getting the price high and selling or anything like that. Um, So, uh, and I would like to see Bitcoin succeed. By the way, Jack Dorsey's beard is epic. Did you see that? All right, let's bring in Rich Rosenblum. He is co-founder and co-head of trading at GSR. So he said it. I may pump, but I don't dump awkward laughter. Uh, what do you take of Elon Musk's comments? Do you think that cryptos have a path higher or lower? It's been a rough 90 days. Yeah, certainly been uh, rough. I'd say if you zoom out a year, things have felt pretty good. You know, we were worried about Bitcoin dropping below 3,000. Now we're worried about it dropping below 30,000. But the, the last few months, even the most experienced expert can't help but get uh, sucked into this meme-driven character of a world that we're investing in today. If you think about this cycle like an NFL season, it's, it's like we were back in February at the Super Bowl, but halfway through the game, Tom Brady decides to quarterback for the Chiefs instead of the Bucks. That period where Elon was uh, you know, bearish and making fun of the space, you know, it didn't feel uh, very good because you know, each tweet could have a 20% impact. So I think the biggest thing people were focused on yesterday is, you know, the king of Bitcoin is back and he's supportive of the space. He not only says he owns it, but, you know, SpaceX owns it. So I think that was the big dynamic. And even if the, the rally, you know, wasn't, wasn't more than uh, you know, low double digits and, and only part of it held, you know, I think the fact that we're sitting above 30,000, we're going to back in this uh, summer stasis mode. So I think it's given the market some stability. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite the run for Bitcoin. I mean, 60,000 down to below 30. We've kind of had a boom the last couple of days. If you want to call, I guess, a couple of days a, a boom as well, Rich. The reality is, the, and not, again, not my opinion, you, you read all kinds of research. There's just too many coins out there. There's too many options. Do you think the market is going to consolidate, condense, come out kind of like, the 1999 internet market, right, where you had thousands of companies that whittled down to a few winners, those are the ones that ultimately won. Does that, will that happen? Does that have to happen in crypto? I think it's already happening, but we're for now seeing some seasonality. Uh, in the summer, especially after such a you know, bullish period and one where people are stuck inside for not just a, a winter, but a year and a half due to COVID, people are out there, they're spending their crypto but also they're not day trading. They're out in front of the screen. So I think that dynamic is going to take hold for another few months. But we're already seeing other strong tokens that are um, 
grabbing not just price action, but network and, and daily users. And I think, you know, we are past that 99 um, type internet bubble. And I think we're going beyond that prototyping phase into the implementation phase. And I think that there's yes, room for crypto, I um, mean, you know, Bitcoin to go a lot higher, but I think there's going to be even more upside in uh, the next winners. And, you know, we might not have 10,000 coins, but we could easily have you know, hundreds of other altcoins uh, get into the hundreds of billions. But who, who, who are the next winners, Rich, besides Bitcoin? I'd say Polkadot is uh, already winning, uh, Solana, Filecoin. And you could look at the size of the, the networks, the size of the market caps. You know, we've, we've got a handful. And there's some others that are, are popular and they're still up there. But I think it's more just through a, a history of being out there. They're more like the, the Dow versus if you look at what's performed over this past uh, year, year and a half, you know, we're starting to see some winners come out and starting to go from uh, you know, flight to quality where the best tech, the best teams are, are starting to prevail. Yeah, I mean, some new names for us there, Rich. I mean, what is going to be the driving factor? Is there a new, another catalyst on the horizon? I, I know it's summer and so everybody's got, you know, they got to, you know, spend their money, get out to the Hamptons. Once we come back in the fall, what is the next catalyst out there for crypto? I think what we're seeing recently is that, you know, there's there's different themes in the market. We, we had ICOs in general. Then a year ago, we had uh, DeFi. Six months ago, NFTs. I think when you look out to this next period, it's it's gaming, it's esports. Since it's not about cryptocurrencies, we're creating a, a parallel ecosystem to to tech and to finance, and it's really recreating things in a way in which it's decentralized. And you take out the company altogether, and you put the governance and your rewards back into the people's hands. Rich Rosenblum, GSR. Rich, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining us nice and early. Polkadot, a name we're watching. Rich, thank you. All right, coming up, we are going to shift gears and talk about biotech. Got a bunch of key reports coming out. What about Biogen? We'll get a critical view of that company coming up. But as we head to break, check out Coffee Futures. Now, many of you right now in America, drinking your coffee, waking up, we love you. Thank you. Well, by the way, Stock up on your Sanka now because coffee futures up 16% this month, soaring this year. The Joe J.O. Get it? Coffee ETF soaring as well, all due to drought in Brazil. Watch Duncan and Starbucks as well, by the way. Coffee up 6%. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here in CNBC. Dow futures up 90, and we're back after this. All right, welcome back. Let's talk biotech, specifically Biogen, a big earnings report set to roll out this morning. And while on Wex, we normally don't talk about Biogen much. We need to because there's a huge debate over its potentially massive Alzheimer's drug, which faces both scrutiny and roadblocks. Some large hospitals deciding not to use it after the FDA's controversial approval last month, after a pop in the stock following that announcement on June 7th, Biogen shares are down 18%. Let's talk more about it now with Laura Chico, biotech analyst at Wedbush Securities. Laura, welcome. I I don't know if in 20-some years of doing this, I can remember a company the size of uh, Biogen that has had that kind of news, that kind of pop, and then that that kind of reversal. You may see it with with startups, but not with a multi-billion dollar corporation where does that Alzheimer's drug stand to you right now? 
Well, thanks, Brian, for having me. I think, you know, your, your introduction really underscored this is unprecedented territory. It's obviously a devastating disease, and we clearly need new tools to treat it. I think we've taken a little bit more of a cautious tact, just given the controversy surrounding the drug, but also the uncertainty around reimbursement and access. Yeah, and apparently a lot of the, the discussion or the debate has been around the cost. Uh, $56,000 on this drug. And there's this big debate about not only how effective the drug may be for Alzheimer's, but and not about whether it's worth the money, Laura, but whether it's worth, I guess, paying that kind of money for the level of results that the trials have showed. Where does the, and I'm trying to be sensitive to everybody involved, it's a serious disease, a lot of people suffering from it, and, and at any cost, they want it to go away. Where does that debate fall to you? Where should it fall? It, you know, it's a really challenging question to answer, Brian. I think, you know, and that therein lies the huge challenge here. We have certain clinical outcomes that were evaluated in the trials, but translating that into a real-world benefit is very complicated. Um, you've had agencies like ICER come out and evaluate the drug and determine it's really not cost effective um, and that the pricing would need to be considerably lower for it to be effective. And I think that that is going to be the persistent problem as we go forward. Translating it, it into a real world benefit is going to be a problem. Um, I think the Alzheimer's Association, Kaiser, have all estimated the impact of Alzheimer's disease on society in the hundreds of billions of dollars. But, you know, making that decision is going to be a challenging one for patients and for their families. Um, Medicare has instituted a, a national coverage determination, and we should get a little bit more clarity on how they're going to handle reimbursing the drug by early 22. So where do we fall in the stock? you got a neutral rating. Any reason to own Biogen here, or do we just need to let this Alzheimer's debate shake out, Laura? Yeah, so our estimates for Aduhelm have been below consensus, and I think we're going to continue to see more of these headlines pop up, and the controversy is probably not going to abate in the near term. So we're staying cautious on that. Pairing that with the backdrop of increasing generic competition for flagship product Techfidera, and an also competitive environment in the SMA space, it's just a really challenging time. So for us, we're sticking with the sidelines here on Biogen. Laura Chico, Wedbush Securities, they're a big and, and uh, certainly a lot, of, a lot of money on both sides, that Biogen story. And you say, just stay away for now. Neutral rating, Laura, thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks, Brian. All right, on deck, the doctor is in. Dr. J. John Najarian will join us on this week's Wild Market Swings and maybe a little about commodities. Oh, by the way, the RBI we've been teasing all morning, the industry once called dead, but is now bouncing back in a big way. You got to hear this. And a gentle nudge if you haven't already, follow our podcast on all the available podcasting platforms. Dow Futures up 88. We're positive on the week, and we're back after this. Time now for your morning RBI, and this one, I think, is really random but interesting and going to be a huge surprise for pretty much everybody because we have talked a lot about the many hot commodities this year, oil, lumber, coffee, which we hit earlier in the show. 
But no commodity has been on fire with the past year as much as coal. That's right, coal. Hard to believe, but coal prices have soared in the last nine months. Coal futures were trading around 50 bucks back in September, and they are now printing at about $129 for a gain of 150% in less than a year. Coal futures at prices not seen in over a decade. And it's not just futures. Prices of physical delivery from places like Australia are surging as well because China has been in a fight with Australia. So Chinese demand is so high, they're willing to pay nearly anything to anyone to get coal to their nation. It's been really hot in China. And people there, like everywhere, want to blast their air conditioning nonstop, which takes a lot of energy. If you've ever been in a Hong Kong summer, they call it honkers. You get it. Oh, and why coal has been hot? It is downright frosty compared to the one of the few coal stocks left in America. Look at shares of Peabody Energy. That stock up 165% in 90 days. If coal and coal stocks soaring in 2021 isn't random and interesting, I'm not sure what is. Coal, who'd have thunk it? Let's go down to a man who knows a little something about commodities. Maybe not coal, blue steel. John Najarian, Market Rebellion co-founder, CNBC star, and veteran of all things traded in Chicago. Maybe probably had a cameo in Zoolander. Who knows? John, I'm not going to ask you about coal. Don't worry. But what is on your radar right now? And are you shocked at that run? Maybe I will ask you. Uh, yeah, I am shocked at that run, Brian. But uh, what doesn't shock me is any, anything energy related. Uh, because, of course, as you covered, um, we've got uh, crude oil, West Texas Intermediate and Brent, both peaked uh, basically by the beginning of July. And I'm sure you know the event that uh, caused them to peak around that time and then bled off. Uh, now they're making a pretty considerable rebound so to see any, any energy alternatives, uh, for instance, coal, uh, making a move like this, Brian, doesn't surprise me quite as much. It surprises me more how well it's done for the year. But I've got a couple stocks in the energy space that I think you'll really uh, like to hear about. Uh, and we're going to hear because I'll tell you what, little deep tease, as we say in the biz, I'm getting on a plane Sunday, getting back on the road, and Tuesday I'm going to be at a mine. I don't want to tell you what I'm going to be talking about. I don't want to give it away. I want to make people watch. I'm not going to be mining for what you want to talk about. I'm not going to Vancouver or wherever uranium is mined, but uranium has been on fire. Not literally, thank God. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, There are two stocks in particular that are really seeing a lot of activity. One people would have heard of more than the other. That's Camco. CCJ is the symbol. And there's big upside speculation in this name, Brian. Um, It's about a $17 stock. They're betting all the way up to, I think, 25 in December. Um, It's about a 47% uh, appreciation from here till there. Uh, So that would be on top of the gain that Camco or CCJ has seen this year. And those are pretty big bets uh, by big institutional players that Camco goes higher. And then there's a $5 uranium stock, uh, UUUU, 
four U's. <laughs> so you, 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 you uh, <laughs> is also seeing some pretty good upside speculation. And uh, I don't know if you will be in that, those minds, but clearly <laughs> uh, people that are pulling this out of the ground, Brian, are doing pretty well. I'd like to see that on Wheel of Fortune. I'd like to buy a vowel, a U. Oh, yes, there are four. In fact, you just solved the puzzle. Uh, <laughs> these are not the most widely traded names, John. I, based on the options, bets you're seeing, you, you said they were big players. I mean, do they look like big players to you? Because this is, is kind of an unusual and probably somewhat risky bet given not a huge amount of liquidity around these names. That's true, uh, but there is a huge amount of demand. And uh, just like you've been saying, that's what people are betting on. Obviously, coal uh, for a whole host of reasons um, and uranium because, you know, except for the disposal process, Brian, it's probably the cleanest energy um, other than sun, wind and geothermal that you can get a hold of. Um, and it uh, really pays dividends going on, you know, for generations almost because they can generate power at a very low rate, very cheaply with uranium. Yeah. And uh, apparently big demand right now, and they think big demand in 2022 and beyond. Which is interesting because nuclear has really not even, I mean, nobody's even whispered it as part of the conversation around the energy future for the United States. Demand for power goes up because everybody wants to live in Phoenix and crank their AC, you know, uh, 12 months a year. Can't let you go, John, without asking, did you have a macro market view? Huge downturn Monday. We talked a lot about options, you know, sort of went out there on the market structure story. Now we're higher for the week. What's going on? Well, um, it, it's all about speed. Um, it was about that at the beginning of the year, Brian, how fast we went up in rates and uh, obviously how fast we went down in rates on Monday. Um, was a big part of why people got nervous. And when they got nervous, they went to cash, not fully into cash, but obviously every percentage that they go into cash means there's less uh, money sloshing around chasing stocks, and we went down hard. I think that was really the story this week. We can take slower. We can't take faster. Yeah, very well said. John Nigerian. John, we talked about coal we talked about uranium. We talked about lumber and coffee <laughs> futures. I think our work here is done, my friend. All right. Well, Brian, it's my pleasure. See you next week. Well, with Chicago, we got to talk about the commodities. I mean, if that's not a random show, I don't know what is. John Nigerian, thank you very much, our friend. Appreciate you joining us here nice and early on Worldwide Exchange. Just a quick reminder, folks, I'm off the show tomorrow morning. Be on the 5 p.m. next week. I'll be on the road all week bringing you, I think, I hope, some really cool stories. Yes, one of those is from a mine where it is hot. Either way, we got a lot more to do here on CNBC all day long. Dow Futures, they're hot. They're up big. Squawk Box, the gang, will pick up the coverage next. We'll see you soon. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.